uh, we're looking at, uh, uh, we, we just started a little series called Trusting God When Life Hurts. Who knows that life can hurt sometimes? Uh, reality, hey? We wouldn't sing songs like we're singing if that wasn't happening because it does happen uh, that life gets a little misty, it's a little difficult, it's a little bit of a struggle, a little bit of a trial. Uh, things happen, don't they? And, um, you know, um, I was looking at through the eyes of a man in the Bible, in the Old Testament Bible called David. You know, he's the shepherd boy who became the king of Israel. Uh, he's the one who slew Goliath against all odds. Uh, he's that one. And uh, if you were to read his story, you could read it in uh, two books of the Old Testament, part of the Bible, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. And it shows us his story very clearly, a clear picture of David's life story and all the highs and lows of David's life, all the joys and all the struggles and all the grief and all the hearts and all the heartaches and all the failures of David are there in black and white that you can read about. Um, so you can, you can clearly read about it. But the truth is, when you want to read about how David responded to all those circumstances that happened in life, you've got to go to the Psalms. Um, they're more than just songs. They're pivotal moments in David's life when he wrote a psalm about the struggle he was going through. And it shows us his response and how he walked through that, that struggle or walked through that moment. Um, and he wrote 73 of the 150 that are there. And so David had quite an input into these psalms, which I would like to say are really just uh, devotional moments and depictions of David's life story. We all have a life story. Some of us have written down parts of our life story. I think it's good to do that. Uh, David certainly did write it down. And we see the incredible insight that he gives us and how in the midst of his struggle, he was able to trust God. Trust God. Because he had some pretty, pretty difficult moments. Would you agree? If you, no, and we'll look at that in a moment. But some incredibly difficult moments. And so I've just named this morning, trusting God when you're in the dark. When you're just not, what I mean is when you just don't know what the future holds. In actual fact, every time you face a struggle, you're not, you're not quite sure what, what lays ahead. You're not quite sure what's, and you might know where you want to be. I want to get to there, but between here and there can be very dark. I was, I, I was on the road to Mount Larkham one night, many years ago when it was dirt road. Who remembers that road to Mount Larkham was dirt? <laughs> okay, and uh, I was with my good friend Shane and his car was in his car. And we'd come, it was a Sunday night, we'd come from church, this church, and we were traveling. He lived in Mount Larkham. And his, he was borrowed his dad's car, and about four kilometers from Mount Larkham, the motor blew up. I mean, just didn't kind of go, the car just didn't stop. The motor blew up. A piston went through the side of the, anyway. Anyway, anyway, so Shane says to me, in the, it was a dark night, no moon, and I'm on a dirt road, skinny little dirt road, and Shane says to me, hey, buddy, I've got to stay with the car because I don't want anybody come past and just, you know, steal this car or, or pinch stuff out of it so can you go for help i said what he says i want i want you can you go i said that's probably you know we're four or five kilometers away he said mate i gotta please would you do i said okay i'll do it um, and so i want to tell you every bush every sound <laughs> for four kilometers at least sounded like it was my last 
<laughs> was my last breath in life. You know, every sound was exaggerated. Every bush was something that wanted to jump out at me. No moon to shine. I literally I, I struggled to see more than a, several meters. In front. It was a dark night, cloudy, gloomy. Everything was happening. The moon wasn't out. And so for four kilometers, I think it was the fastest four kilometers I've ever done in my life. I got to Mount Larkham. I got Shane's dad and everything was sorted out. But I just want to say the truth is I knew where I wanted to go, but between here and there was pretty dark. And life gets pretty dark sometimes. And everything gets exaggerated. You know when you've been given a bad report, everything gets exaggerated in those moments, doesn't it? Between now and the next report or the next test or the next, you know, what you, everything gets, and, and, you know, and, and it's a battle in your mind to say, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. You know, we just got to continue to. And so I want to talk about that because David talks about it so clearly. And he gives us his response in a wonderful little psalm called Psalm 23. It's the, it's, it's the famous psalm. Some of you could quote it to me, but how about we read it this morning? Is that cool? So let me pray. Father, I thank you for every one of us today. If we haven't been through a dark time, more than likely we will go through. Uh, that's not being negative. It's just being reality, Lord. Father, all our dark times are very, um, very real to us, each p person here. Help us to know, uh, Lord, the incredible goodness and truth of your word today so that we can live through those times with something of a faith and a substance in our soul that gives us strength. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. 23, a psalm of David. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. What a great statement. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a place, uh, sorry, a table for before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I dwell in the house of the Lord for what? Ever. There's a great faith statement. It wasn't just, it wasn't just David living in God's temple while he was alive. There's a statement about eternity. Isn't it wonderful to know that when we leave this life, there is a hope and a future for us? <laughs> heavenly eternity, a heavenly house, isn't there? So David, so how did David cope when he had to run through the dark how did David cope when he had to walk through the dark when he just couldn't see in front of him what the next step was some of us face that maybe I think some of us face that right now and, the, and we've got to see uh, that uh, the truth is the the psalm David wrote this psalm and the psalms are not written in chronological order if you if, if they're not the same they're not written in the sense of um, Psalm 1 was, this is what happened when David was young, and Psalm 50 was when he was middle-aged, and Psalm 100 was when he was older. No, unfortunately, they're all mixed up. Okay, so Psalm 23, I was told that Psalm 23, was, was, he was wrote it as a shepherd boy. Do you know that's not actually true? He actually wrote it when he was in his latter years of his um, reign over Israel, uh, we don't know exactly the year or the date, but we do know that it was latter, latter times of his life, possibly near the end of his reign. Uh, he w David died at the age of 70, so maybe he's you know, uh, 55, 60, I don't know, but he wrote it latter. Now, what you would say, why would you think that he wrote it um, at the, at, at other, you know, when he wasn't a shepherd boy? Because if you look at the text, 
the maturity of the text, the maturity of the narrative, is it talks about, it talks about David had enemies. And, and, and you know, if, if you look at David's life story in 1 and 2 Samuel, you'll see David had a lot of people who rose up against him. If, and that didn't happen when he was just a boy in the, you know, as a shepherd. You may say, oh, but there was the bear and the lion. That was his enemies. Yeah, possibility. Let's go a bit further. Uh, then it talks, about, it talks about he faced death at times. You know, there was several times in David's life when he faced death. Several times. But the real clincher, and you might say, yeah, he faced death, you know, when the bear and lion come against him. But, you know, the real clincher for me is it speaks of rest and prosperity. Which is, speaks of an older king, not a young 16-year-old shepherd boy. It talks about when he was, you know, rest and prosperity. So I would suggest to you that David is now, he's written this psalm in his latter years, and he's looking back over his life, and he's giving thanks and praise to God, and he's remembering and reflecting on how good God has been and protected him and favored him and blessed him in all of the dark moments that life has thrown at him. Uh, David uh, is now thanking God because there were some dark moments. David, had, um, David uh, even as a young boy, was probably classed as the runt of the family. He was the youngest and he was forgotten when you know, uh, the anointing moment came up. He was still in the field and Samuel, who was the prophet at the time, uh, you know, his dad didn't even think of David. Uh, there was the times when, as David grew up, that his fa- he married um, King Saul's daughter, but over uh, some d- during a situation, that wife was taken from him and given to another man. How would you feel about that, folks? Then his father-in-law wanted him dead, and he'd spent 10 years in the wilderness ch- being chased from his father-in-law. Uh, all the young men here, make sure that your father-in-law likes you before you marry the girl. Then... I mean, these are tragic situations. I mean, it's easy for me to come, they're easy to come off my tongue, but these are tra- each of these and highly emotive and struggling situations David found. He, his, he had a son die at birth. He had a son murdered by another son. He had a daughter raped by her brother. He had another son killed in battle. <laughs> Just the list goes on. The list goes on and on and on. I mean, uh, let me check where, where I'm up to with my notes. He lived in the wilderness, as they said, uh, for 10 years. Um, so th- his best friend, Jonathan, was killed at a very young age. So can you appreciate, they just weren't stories. There was a lot of emotional content in that, that David had to go through. And so he faced some dark moments. Now um, he's encouraging himself as he remembers how faithful God has been to him. What, 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 what's the point this morning, you may say? What are you trying to say here? I want to say this. It means that, you know, when we face the times when we can't see what's happening, we, can, we also need to pause. We don't need to panic. We just need to pause for a moment and remember how God has been faithful in our past. That sometimes that's an incredibly a, a strength to our life. Just like David was. He, was. he paused in his life and he remembered and gave thanks. I think sometimes in the midst of our dark moment, we need to pause, not panic, and just remember how faithful God has been. And you may say, well, I don't know if God's ever been faithful to me. Well, just think for a moment of some of the situations and just, you know, and you'll probably pull something up and say, well, well, there was that moment. I thought it was just my incredible strength and my good looks that got me through, but maybe it was God. Maybe it was God who was there. I think there's been a lot of times in our life when God has intervened and and brought us blessing or protected us and we never possibly knew about it. 
so David now is sitting back and he's reflective. So if there's a first, you know, I, re- I always remember um, quite a few years ago, um, my dad had a kidney failure. He, he partly died of kidney failure, but um, at the age of 76. But um, there was recommended to me that I should check my kidneys. And so about the age of 35, I thought I'd better go and do an ultrasound, check my kidneys, you know, do all the right thing. I did that and they found an irregularity. They found something. So they said, You've got to, we're going to have to do further tests. Do you know between the time that I found the, found the irregularity and the next test was several weeks away? And do you know what? All the bombardment of thoughts of what could happen and what, could, you know, what is this? And every little ailment and every little pain, you think, oh, I'm going to die of something. The voices come at you. But you know what? I'd done the second test and it was all good. So it's amazing now, as I remember, if there's any little issues come up, it's, I have this wonderful thing to draw from. God, you're faithful. God, you're faithful. I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to, you might say, well, that's easy to do that, but not every, every report is favorable. Not every answer is good. Um, you know what? God just says, you can trust me for whatever. You can, even if you're in the fire, as we're seeing this morning, do you know what? Uh, in the fire, I love what the, the three Hebrew men said to the king when he said, you know, you're going to get into the fire. And they said, even if we die, it's okay, our God is able. Even if we, we've got a better future. I love that heart. I tell you what, it's a win-win for us. And you might think, well, I don't want to die just yet. Yeah, look, I appreciate that. <laughs> None of us do. But uh, the reality is, is there's a hope and a future for us. And so God, you know, David said, I'm reflecting on the moments to get me through this moment. I'm going to reflect on the past moments and, give, and see that God is able. Put, him, put God back in the, you know, instead of just having God in the rear vision mirror and giving him a little bit of a look now and then, have him in the windscreen. Have him in full sight all the time. Because you know what? You're supposed to drive looking at the windscreen. You just look at the rear vision mirror every now and then. So every now and then have a bit of a moment. Uh, You can look back, but be thankful. But keep him front and center, hey? Um, So the first thing to do in the midst of darkness is to remember God's faithfulness. Here we go. The the next thing we see is, uh, is, this is great. The Lord, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. It's interesting because he uses the word Lord. Lord, what an interesting word. Um, The the word Lord is a Hebrew name that God gave himself originally. Because in Hebrew, it was pronounced Yahweh. And then there was some other pronunciation that we won't get into today. It's not really that important. But the important thing is you, you realize that the word Lord was a name that God gave himself um, it was 50 times it's repeated and appears in the Old Testament alone. And um, it's interesting because you see many other names for God. You see King of Kings. You see uh, wonderful names like um, uh, Rose of Sharon. You think, what that's about? Uh, you see uh, Bread of Life, uh, Water of Life. You see all these different names. But they're names that people or had been given, the Scriptures give to God. But there's only one time that God ever named Himself. And he named himself Yahweh. And in the original, it, 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 it's two little words. The word Yahweh is I am. Now, so I've taken it from the word Lord that we have in English to the Hebrew word Yahweh. And now back to our English word I am that the Bible translators used. Because we see in Scripture there was a dialogue between God and Moses once. You remember Moses, the guy who brought the people out of Israel he brought him out of slavery, out of Egypt. 
And Moses had this dialogue before he led the people out of Israel. And the dialogue went like this. Um, hey, um, you know, God said, God, I want you to, uh, sorry, Moses, I want you to take the, go and into Egypt. Go and see Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go and bring them out of Egypt, out of slavery. And, you know, uh, Moses, I know it's not recorded like this, but Moses could have thought, just wait a second, God, the last time I went to Egypt, I was in Egypt, I murdered someone, my face is on a billboard, uh, dead or alive, uh, my head is on the chopping block, you want me to go back to that place? You want me to go back to the place where they, you know, want to be uh, hung and uh, killed? He says, I don't think so, God. And, if, and I know that doesn't say that exactly like that in Scripture, but this is what it does say, because God said, look, I, I want you to go. And Moses then responds and says, who am I? Who am I that I can go and talk to Pharaoh and bring the people out of Egypt? And we see the response that God then gives to Moses is wonderful. He says, you know what? I'll go with you. I'll go with you. And then Moses comes up with another excuse. He says, um, he says in Scripture, this is in Ezekiel, uh, sorry, Exodus chapter 3. And then Moses says, well, yeah, that's great. But, but God, who will I say sent me? Who are you? What's your name? Which name will I tell them has sent me? And we see that God says, well, I, tell them I am has sent you. I am that I am. I am has, is sending you. I can imagine Moses scratches his head. He says, I am. But that's the name God gave himself. I am Yahweh Lord. So we look at this and we say, that's interesting because we see, notice what God said to Moses. He said, in regard to Moses' insecure question, who am I? Who am I? I'm no one. I'm a failure. I'm a murderer. I've been in this desert for years. You know, I was born to a Hebrew woman, but I was grew up in Egypt, but you know, they don't like me. I'm, I'm, I'm no good. I'm, you know, I can't speak. If you knew Moses, he had a stutter of some type or a speech impediment. He says, I can't speak. All these excuses. Who am I? But God doesn't give, notice this, God doesn't give Moses some pep talk. He says, well, you're amazing and you're bigger than you think and it's all good. You can do it. You can do it. You've got muscles and you've got looks and you've got prestige and you've got smarts and you're intelligent. No, God doesn't say that. God says, you know what? I am Yahweh. The God that's with you. And God says, so God was saying, it's not who you are, it's who I am that's with you. And when we face the struggles of life, so often we're defined by our problem. I'm a failure. This is why I'm in the problem. I've messed up. Well, maybe you have, but don't be defined by the problem. God says, you know, it's the Lord, the Yahweh, the I am of this universe that is with you. It's not about who you are. It's about who he is in you. It's who he is. And he says, I am. And you might ask, he is what? Well, I love what God, um, you know, I love what uh, God is. God says this. I'm always loving you because my love has never diminished. I'm your strength because it never wavers. I'm your future because my plans for you have never altered. I'm awake when you're tired. I listen when you pray. I'm merciful because you wear, you'll never wear out my grace towards you. I'm mentally whole so that your act activity has no influence on my emotions. I'm stable and you won't cause my love to ebb and flow. I'm eternal so you won't wear me out. I am full of tolerance so you don't exhaust my patience. And that's just to name a few. So we have this incredible God who says, I am everything that you need. Um, but you know, we sometimes in the midst of it say, I'm a failure, I'm anxious, I'm grieving, and they're all very real emotions. They're not to be discredited. 
They're all very real emotions. But the reality is they're not long-term emotions that you need to harbor in your heart. Because if you do, sometimes they can start to define your life. You don't need to be defined by the problems of this world. You need to be defined by the God who loves you. The I am. The wonderful. And that's what David was declaring when he said, it's just this one word in the opening line of a wonderful psalm. The Lord, the I am of this universe, who's the God that I've lost. And as David reflects over his life, he's saying, that's the type of God that I've served. I've learned he is the I am for every situation I face. He is my everything that I need. And you may say, well, you know, is that going to really help me? Well, folks, the biggest battle you face is always in your mind. It's always in your mind. And if you can get it into your head that you, there's more to you than just who you are, but who he, he is in you is incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. How did David cope with the darkness he faced? He learned that he, he can't let struggles define him, but he, defined, he was defined by the God who says, I am with you. As he said to Moses, I am with you, Moses. It says in the psalm, he says, oh, it, David says, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I did fear no evil because you are what? You were with me. You were with me, God. <sighs> how powerful. So the second thing, if the first thing is to remember how faithful God is, the second thing is to, in the midst of our dark moments, is make sure you're defined by the great I am and not the struggle itself. And, you know, that can be very difficult sometimes to come out of the dark place in our minds because we've lived with it and we've, we've dwelt on it and we've never, you know, we've never maybe allowed God to come into those places. And, you know, he, we need to invite Him. And I know there's, there's sometimes a process of learning and growing. And I love the fact that we can learn and grow and become better and better in the Lord. And there's also sometimes of encounters where He can do something pretty amazing in a moment, a miracle moment, which is brilliant. So... David then went on. So if we were talking about it, I suppose it's the third thing. Then David went on and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He then used the word is, just two letters. Is. Very small. Is. A very small word, but a very powerful thought here. Notice it wasn't the Lord was. It's the Lord is. So the Lord is. It wasn't yesterday the Lord was my shepherd. Because it was yesterday the Lord was my shepherd right through my life. But you know what David's saying? The Lord is my shepherd right now. The Lord is right now for me. Um, the, the Word of God says in Psalm 46.1, it says, A very present help in trouble. It says, God is our refuge and strength in a very present help in what? In trouble. A very present help. He is right now. He is. Sometimes we go for days and weeks and months and we never give Him the moment to be the is God in our life. We just continually keep him at a distance, but he wants to be today in your life. He is now. He's ever-present in times of trouble. Come on. He's ever-present. This is what David discovered in the midst of what he faced. This is the de declaration he says. You know what Lord is. He wasn't just yesterday. So David is saying, I am so thankful for the things I can remember what God did yesterday. But you know what? I don't dwell on that because it's today. That today is the day that he wants to do something. Today is the day. He is today. As he was then, he is today. As he is today, he will be in the future. He's an unchangeable God. He is today. So, the, so the, we've got to see that. You know, I, I love it that he's ever-present. You know what present means? Ever-present means ready. If you interpret it in another English word, it means ready. So 
God hasn't got this file somewhere in a, in, a, in a dark room, somewhere with millions of files on people's life stories, and he has to comb through them to find your file. No, he's ever-present. He knows. As soon as your prayer comes up, he knows your life story. He, he knows where you're at. He knows where the future is. He holds the future. I'm glad that God hasn't got a... Just give me an hour, and I'll find your life story. Just give me some time. I'll go on the records, and I'll find it, and I'll, then I'll be up to date, and we'll sort this out. No, no, he straight away. He's present. He's ever-present. You can go to the... You, you can ring up um, you know, the government agency has social security and you can spend hours and they're trying to find your information, trying to get you through to the right person. I tell you, it is. Who's ever been on the phone for a while trying to get some information? If, or you walked into, you know, and I'm not blaming them. I'm, not bl- I'm just saying, God isn't like that. He knows who you. Do you know him? <laughs> so God is, pr- he is. I always remember... Um, just quickly, I was, I was uh, uh, many, many, many years ago, uh, quite a long time ago, uh, I was friendly with a girl in, in a church, and she was friendly with me, which is always a good thing when you're trying to have a friendship. So we were friendly, and uh, we came to a point where we just realized that, uh, that we're both Christians, we both love the Lord, but we were kind of going in different directions. And so we made the decision mutually just to kind of, you know, uh, still be friends, but just, you know, not be, what do you call it, together whatever. Uh, so that was cool. But you know, whenever you're involved in a friendship, there's a bit of emotional investment, isn't there? Um, and so I invested some emotion in that and uh, she invested in it. So, you know, there was a little bit of that tearing, a little bit of that, uh, we're going different, you know, and, and there was emotion in that. And, and so that was okay. And, and uh, um, so I was driving one day past uh, down the Dawson Highway. See, I even remember the place where I was that this happened. So uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken was on the right, and I'm driving down. And uh, as I'm driving down, I, found, I just found out that morning that uh, my friend um, had actually found another friend within the same church who was my mate now, about a month and a half later. So, you know, that was kind of like, oh, that was like a little arrow in my heart. And it was nothing that this lady had done wrong, really, because she went on to marry that guy, and she's happily married today. And we're a great, great relationship with all of them. We see them have a you know, talk and not a problem, okay? But I want to tell you how I got over that, how, what I faced that day. As I was driving, I, I found out that not only I broke up, but she was with another person pretty quickly. And I had that thought, oh, how could you do that? And all these arrows come at you. And it wasn't her. It was just the enemy saying, oh, your relationship really didn't matter. Because she's so quickly to move on. And all these terrible thoughts come. And I said, God, this is not fair, and I don't like it. But you know what, God? Then I remembered, and I said, God, I'm going to praise you. And I'm driving, and I've got tears running down my eyes because I'm quite a little bit hurt by the whole situation. But then I said, God, I'm going to praise you. And as I started to praise him, I can tell you today, something of his presence hit me in that car. And I started to praise him, and the tears were no longer tears of pain, but tears of joy and peace as the Holy Spirit came upon me, and I started to praise Him. And thankfully, the car windows were up. I just started to, to cry out to Him and, you know, praise Him anyway in this situation. And you know what? From that moment, all the pain and the emotion, gone. And I think, wow, God, that's amazing. And that's why I have such a good relationship with her and her husband today. It's because I, I bring it back to that moment when I just allowed God into the circumstance. And for that moment, he just done something of healing that path and that hurt that was just so, so prevalent in my life at that moment. And you know what? David says, 
the Lord is. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. I don't know what your trouble may be today, but he's an ever-present help. He's an ever-present help, just not for yesterday, but for today. And I just, I, I just sense that there's people today that just said, man, I need some of that help. I need some of that. Could we just stand today? Because the last little bit of this message says, the Lord is my, my. There's another two-letter word, and my. It, David was saying, he's my God. He's my God. He's very personal. And you know what? David declares it in this, this passage. He says, he makes me lie down. That means to give rest and peace. He leads me beside still waters. That's to guide and protect and carry us. He restores my soul. Get a hold of this one. Restore means to turn back, reverse, and set again our emotions to a healthy place. Isn't that brilliant? To reverse and set again and restore our emotions to a healthy place. I need some of that. I don't know about you. Just a, what a wonderful God we serve. So when he says that, he restores my soul. So, that, so if we were to ever look at this, it, the, the last thing is that in the midst of your darkness, to accept his personal care and love. So remember God's faithfulness. Let God define you, not your struggle define you. Engage God today and accept His personal care. What trouble is knocking at your door? I got some troubles knocking at my door. But I'm just thankful that I've got a God who knocks at the door of my heart. And He says, I'll come in with you and actually what I'll, I'll, I'll converse with you and I'll sit down we'll have a meal together that means in Jewish terms I'm going to be intimately involved in your life we can keep God at arm's length or we can invite him in the trouble may knock but there's someone there's a different knock called Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit wants to come and I wonder if today we could just for a moment we sing these wonderful songs but you know sometimes I just get the sense that we could just sing them but We've got to allow some faith to rise. And it's not our fault or anything. I'm just saying we've got to let faith arise. Say, Father, I can't go on living this way. There's something that I've got to let you in on. I've got to let you because it's not happening well my way. Could we close our eyes today? Just for a moment. If you're here today and you know that trouble is knocking, there's darkness, you're not quite sure of the future. You know where you want to be. You know where you'd like it to be. But you just say, Father, it's not, it's not happening <laughs> well. And, I, and even today, if we pray together, it doesn't mean the problems all going to be disappear. But it just may mean that you maybe have some different perspective, some different mindsets, some different thoughts today. That would just help you start to say there is a hope. And you get your mind off the struggle and you give some focus to the God of this, who is there in the midst of the struggle. In the midst of that darkness. Maybe there's a family members that you're believing for. You think, oh, if only, if only they could, we could see something turn around there. I've got some family members I love dearly. I just want to see, I suppose, find real peace in Jesus. But it seems so far away. Some circumstances, personally, whatever it may be today. Holy Spirit, have your way today. Your heart's alive. Your presence today, ministering to people's hearts and lives, where they stand, where they're at right now.
you know, um, I was just, we just, I just was, uh, I've been thinking about this for a while. And today, if you could just make a move by faith towards God. Sometimes it just takes more than just, just standing there and being thankful for prayer. But it just takes a stepping out. And I wonder if today, if you could just step out into the aisle, if you want me, us to just pray together and believe. I wonder if you'd be bold enough to say, yep, come on. I don't care what, I'm not here to impress people, I'm here to ask God. If you know that you just need to step out in that aisle and say, come on, this is where I am today. I just take a step towards God. If you put faith, some feet to your faith sometimes in the situation. You say, oh, I don't want to be embarrassed. No, 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 God's not embarrassed. We all, see, I could step out of the aisle too right this morning. So I need it. But if you know that today. So Father, today, the opportunity to do that by faith, just believe in God. Come on. Father, today, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do what we cannot do, what I certainly cannot do, and that is minister to the very hearts and lives of people who face some darkness, face some situations, face some circumstances that are beyond their control or beyond their... Uh, maybe there is some things they can do, but give them wisdom in how to do that. And Father, I commit them to you. I lay them in your hands. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, together, we hand over those situations to you. We hand over the sicknesses to you. We hand over the broken relationships. We hand over the loved ones we want to see come to know the Lord Jesus. We hand over these circumstances to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we hand them over, we're believing, God, that you would come and have your way not only in their lives, but in our lives, so that we would be changed, that we'd see differently, and that we'd have incredible trust in you, in your ways. Father, you're the God of the, the Lord of the I am. You are, I am everything you say, and that's what you are to us. You're all the needs that we have need. So we commit today. Holy Spirit, we ask your presence, your touch, in Jesus' name. And if you agreed, how about you say, Amen.